As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics Dedicated Blue Jackets Podcast. Aaron Portsign with you back in Central Ohio. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. Tom Reed is back on the program. Tom, say hello. Good morning. Man, Tom, we could do a whole podcast on where you've been <laughs> and how you got there and how you got back. Holy smokes. If, if you're, uh, this isn't a Blue Jacket story, but, but certainly when you're on the athletic site, uh, call up Tom Reed's fantastic story on Miles Garrett. Tom went to Tanzania. Am I saying that correctly, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to write a story on Miles Garrett and his work with the Waterboys. Uh, which help bring helps bring uh, clean water to uh, impoverished villages in in uh, Africa. Incredible trip, Tom. Yeah, it was uh, amazing. Um, uh, I did not see any. I, I was so looking. You know, when you, when you go out of the out of the country, you, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird on this, but you're always looking for people wearing like uh, yes. athletic stuff, of, like from the United States. I was just looking for a blue jacket. Like a yeah. hat, anything, but I, I never saw one. I saw a guy in Venice, St. Mark's Square, wearing a Blue Jackets hat. Yes. Like, really? I, I stopped him and took a picture of it, tweeted it. Um, Blue Jackets just back from a Western Canadian trip. Those are never easy. This was a very, um, boy, they busted their tail. And they came out of it with three points. Held serve on this, this uh, road trip. Not a great trip, but could have been I, I think a really rough trip and maybe the season starts to feel differently if they don't get that win Sunday in Vancouver two to one uh, they played really really well at times in all three games couldn't 
couldn't score in, in Calgary, but just checked like crazy, could not play with the puck. In Edmonton, they had the puck all night, couldn't score. And then on Sunday, they kind of got a couple of breaks they needed with the puck. Uh, they defended their asses off as they have all year. And Elvis Merzlikens was was uh, pretty damn good in goal, 2-1. to one. Uh, Your thoughts on that trip? I know three points out of six isn't exactly what you dream up uh, when you're talking playoff race and wanting to make a push at the end of the season. But, Allison, all things considered, I think you still look at the way that they played. All things considered, the way they played was pretty strong, and the win Sunday kind of saves them a bit and makes it a decent trip. Yeah, definitely. I think that, again, the the process, while points matter, the process is what gets you the points. And from a process perspective, the team was was very, very strong. Even before this trip started, I was on record saying, to me, three points from this trip was good, particularly when you consider the competition that they were facing. And you had to think Vancouver was going to be fired up for that rematch um, after the last minute's loss in Columbus. So I, I think that three points is, is fine. Again, it's not great, but um, particularly given who they played and what this team is right now, uh, I'd consider it an overall plus versus instead of a minus. Yeah. I felt like there were times when they started to look like the 19-2-5 Blue Jackets, not wholly with their play, but the way that they defended is sort of a five-man unit. Tom, your thoughts just on what that team – look like and how important Sunday was for them? Yeah, I'll start with the, the second part first. Absolutely, it was huge. I mean, I think they had, not that it, I mean, we're still enough games out, but they had kind of mentally it kind of slipped under the bar there, I think, before they started. So I think it was important to get back in, especially given how tight that this race is. And you don't want to even get a couple points behind because of you have to leapfrog so many teams, right? Right. So uh, just to stay on top, and, and they come back out of this trip uh, in the first wild card spot. I, I think you guys summed it up perfectly. I thought they played hard uh, most of the trip. Uh, we can get into this or not get into this. This is the and and, and Torts mentioned this in the, in your story today, Cordy. Just the inability to win in overtime, which they have done so frequently the previous couple of years, and we obviously know the a big reason why. That is, is because Panarin's not here. But man, just think of some of it, just a couple more points in overtime, and and that trip would have gone from a, a as Allison said, a, a three point trip, which she kind of thought would happen to. Wow, that's a great trip if you get that extra point. And I, I know they 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 kind of blew the game in, in the regulation, but wow, that that fourth point would have looked huge right now. Yeah, Allison, did, did it look? Am I am I right to say there are where were shades of the 19-2-5 style of play. Because I do think that, I think that slipped. I think we all yeah. agree that, especially defensively, but it felt like it was back a bit on this road trip. Did you see that as well? Yeah, I definitely did. And I think that, um, you know, I don't, I'm not going to hang any game on any one player. But, you know, if Corpusalo doesn't let in that early goal in, oh. in, in Calgary, you know, what does, what happens there? Um because I thought that this team played really, really strong. And the, the, the complement to the strong defensive play during that stretch was just the elite goaltending that the Blue Jackets were getting from both of their goaltenders. Um, and so, I, you know, again, that, was, that loss is not on Corpusalo. But if you had both pieces functioning at a high level the whole game, then, like Tom said, maybe you've got that huge fourth point. 
Yeah, and good on Elvis on Jonas to recover from that because that was one of those. Oh boy, absolutely. Uh, I mean, holy smokes, especially against an explosive team like Edmonton. The one we dealt, we wrote a story about this uh, late in the trip. This would have been coming out of Calgary about Pierre-Luc Dubois and how his offense has dried up uh, quite a bit. Um, it's rather shocking. Yeah, I think he has three goals in his last 29 games, one goal in his last 17. Tom, he does this every year. I say that <laughs> yeah. somewhat facetiously, but it seems like he dries up in the springtime. Yeah, uh, you're right. I remember. Any theory? Any any idea why that would be? No, no, no clue whatsoever. I mean, but yeah, it was the same story last year, right? Yeah. Um, you know, in the, his rookie year, you think, okay, it was a rookie. Torts cover your ears, may have hit the rookie wall, that type of thing. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's but it was yeah, very similar to last season where he just really could not get get his offense going late in the season, uh, and. I don't know. Again, they're 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 playing to, to use your guys' such fine margins right now. They they've got to have everybody, everybody contributing, and and he's just too good of a player for this to happen. And you wonder if it's a it, 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 you wonder if it's a little bit of a mental thing now. Why is this happening to me again? We don't know of any injury, right? So, no. uh, but they've got to find a way to get him going. Uh, and these because these games are just without question. The, the, the Blue Jackets just don't have no margin for error now, right? Uh, the, um, I think we'll get into this, but just they have played so many games. The teams behind them have only played 67 games. Every game is just massive from here on out because of the potential those other teams have for those extra games. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're a 2-1 team living in a 3-2 world. Yep. And that's that's a hard way to go. Without Pierre, I mean, they're, they can be a 3-2 team if, if he starts going. There's some other guys that need to get going as well. Um, there's quite clearly, and I, I, you know, people make too much out of this. I think people assume that everybody in the room can't stand John Tortorella. That's not the case. I think when I think players and coaches can be at odds on something, and it not being at a, and it not be the end of the world. The relationship cannot be fixed, type issue. But it's pretty clear that Dubois and Tortorella are going back and forth on some stuff right now. Uh, because the line of questioning to Torts was, what's going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Ask him. Oh, okay. And that was an anger at the person asking the question. That was anger at the topic. Um, John, he seems to go into a slump. And ask him. Oh, okay. They've talked about this. That's the feeling you get from listening to, to Torts' response. And then you, does Tortorella have a theory on Pierre-Luc Dubois' struggle? He does. Uh, sternly said. Will he share it? Nope. So, okay, so you go to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Pierre-Luc Dubois has a theory. Yeah, I got a theory too, but I'm not sharing it either. Okay. So these two are having some conversations behind the scenes you can clearly see. Um, again, I don't think there's anything irreparable there, but they're beefing a little bit here. Uh, Allison, when you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois' game, now the obvious answer when you say what's missing is Artemi Panarin on his left and Cam Atkinson on his right. He's currently playing with Wenberg and Bemstrom on what you probably call the second line. But what's missing from his game? Do you see a decidedly different Pierre-Luc Dubois now than you did a month ago when he was, two months ago when he was really firing? Well, um, hmm. so I, I want to say two first because I've seen some some comments of, of people on the on the torts 
side of this. And it's funny, um, on the Sloan panel that I was on this past weekend, um, also on the panel was Dominic Moore, um, who didn't have an opportunity to play for torts, but was just raving about him and was just talking about how players just... They they love having played for him. They may not love it in the moment, but it's it's all the stuff we say. I mean, and this is this is Dominic Moore. This is a guy who's been around. He still is connected. Very good friends very with good. very good friends with Adam McQuaid, who also was at the conference. I got to say hi to him. Um, just raving about Torts and and what a great coach he is. So I think it's really important to to keep that context when when we hear about these kind of brush ups. Usually the results pay off. Um, and the player realizes that. But I don't wonder, and I have no proof of this, if you look at Pierre-Luc Dubois' shot differential, meaning how much is he allowing to happen against versus how much is the blue, are the Blue Jackets creating when he's on the ice, there's a late stretch here where he's gotten back in the plus category, meaning that the defense is doing their job and the offense is then allowed to get the shot margin. I don't, before that, there was a lull there. And so I don't wonder if part of the challenge here, and we've talked about this, this roster right now is so depleted that the horses who run that defensive side of play have all been missing, including players like Alexander Wenberg on both sides of the ice. And so I don't wonder if the challenge here that Tortorella has given Dubois is to say, you got to shore up defensively first. And while that's working, it's limiting the offense, and now, I mean, that's a challenge to a player, I think, to say you, you've got to now be a linchpin in how we have to play, and that's essential, but oh, hey, also create offense. Um, so, I, you know, th- that's a curious tension there in terms of what might be being asked of the player and all the players, quite frankly, but when I look at how Dubois has been playing of late, he is, in fact, tilting the ice the right way with the way he plays. So that in and of itself is something that should be ticked as a positive in his column. And, and now, like for, again, for everyone on this team, the challenge is finishing. I, that's part of why I do like him and Wenberg together. I think that's a really interesting combination um, that could pay off if, if, they, if they stick together and both get going. Yeah, boy, Forty, he's also not a kid anymore, right? I mean, Third year. The, the first couple of years in the league, there were always other players that were, you know, that uh, Panarin or, or Atkins is like you said, his line mate. So everyone's hurt or gone. All of right. a sudden, he is now like, look, you are you are the guy, and that that's something he has to adjust to too. There's no looking over your shoulder and saying, well, someone else can do it. He's got to do it, and that's that is a that is a bit of a mental adjustment. Like, for sure. sorry, we 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 can't have you having slumps right now. Yeah, there's nobody to cover for you. There's absolutely not. Yeah. There's nobody. Nobody's going to make a play. To bail us out, you've got to. Yeah. But the, but this is uh, what I, I this is what I'm saying though. I mean, yeah. I, I agree. And again, goals win games. But we just talked about how the team played the right way on the trip, even though they didn't get four or more points. If you look at how PL's playing, there's some signs that he is in fact playing the right way right now, right? So, and and the piece parts around him are are a challenge too. I mean, not necessarily specifically on his line, but I mean, it's. If we're going to lend ourselves to process over results at certain points, there is there is an argument to be made that PL has the right process going. Allison, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying I'm wondering if this is kind of Torch's way of like, and, and maybe he's like you said, he's he's it's the the trending in the right way, 
but torches might be it was just like look you are you're the guy now totally. and, and i totally. think there is an adjustment and he may see of himself as i'm a what 21 22 year old kid you know this is like the expectation doesn't matter if you're not wearing a c on jersey he is the he is the guy up front right now right yeah and, and i think there's a mental adjustment to that 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 kind of you know okay I, i've got to i can't take nights off i can't and not, not to say that he isn't, but just saying that 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 they look at him now as the, as a scorer. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not just gravy when Pierre Luc Dubois is chipping in offensively. I think John Tortorella has great um, reverence for the process. Oh yeah. But I can I can almost hear his voice saying, "Okay, that's fine. Score. <laughs> right. Score an effing goal. Right. Exactly. Right? I can hear him." Uh, and I think what this is all about, I think it all comes from the right place. I do. Uh, but I think Pierre-Luc, and he voiced his frustrations after a game in Minnesota when the Blue Jackets were just lost all night and almost came back and won. Um, I think it was 5-3. to three, But he basically, well, it didn't. there's no basically about it. He just said, we are way too conservative. Great. Like, it's fine to defend and defend and defend. And just wait for the other team to make a mistake. That's okay, whatever. But at some point, you've got to take some chances with the puck, and you've got to score. And you can hear the coach on the other side saying, "No, right? Like this is what we do. This is a five-man unit. We make the other team crack first. Uh, and you can. So I don't think it's really hard to figure out why these two have had um, a a, uh, a flurry of. Um, probably behind the scenes conversations and disagreements. And, and you guys know Torts well enough to know he probably loves that this kid is so headstrong and willing to fight for what he thinks is right. But the kid still has to do it his way. And to your point, Allison, I think he was, I think he was really good. Pierre Luke was in Vancouver. And I thought that line was really good. Mm-hmm. Remstrom especially was flying mm-hmm. uh, there early in the third period. And, and I think too, it's, it, there's a little bit of this, and, and Torts would never say that this was accurate, and maybe it's not. But, I mean, there's a little bit in how Torts has been talking of late. I mean, imagine anyone on this team, but particularly the head coach of this team. This team wasn't supposed to do anything, and they're taking hit after hit after hit. And now, anytime they slide, like, you just want to finish, right? Just to stick it to everyone who said you couldn't do this. And yes. so every slide... like. The screws are so tight right now, right? Oh. That, that, that the, tension, the tension in some of his comments, and this is another thing Dominic Moore said. He said, Torts cares about his players and his team so much. Like, imagine going through all of this and being so close and knowing that any flub, like Tom said, that the margins are so tight and any flub could cost you just sticking it to everybody. Yeah. I, I think that that, that, that has frayed torts at times perhaps a little bit um even though he'd never ever ever say that no and and when torts gets shitty right now with a line of questioning it's because the line of questioning is getting right to the yep the heart of the matter that is like well i can't go there do you expect me to say right that this team just isn't flat good enough but no i can't believe that i can't think that there's no way that can be portrayed to this group he i I, you know, it was 12 games left in the season. I just have a feeling that when this is over, whether they make it, whether they don't make it, this is going to be one of Tortorella's best coaching jobs 
and also one of his favorite teams because you look up and down that lineup. Oh, my God. And there are great examples of guys uh, playing way above their heads, playing uh, way ahead of their sort of schedule. Andrew Peake jumps to mind. Um, and, and a bunch of guys that empty the tank for him every night. And that's, that's something every coach loves. That's something, Tom, that this coach loves perhaps more than anything else. Yeah, no question. Uh, to go back to one other point, Porty, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Hitch and the Michael Pekka. <laughs> yes. They would right. have this legendary disagreements oh, right. that would go back and forth, and, and, they, and they would use the media in both places oh, yeah. to uh, <laughs> ask him. You know, go ask him. Ask him. Ask right. Him. And tell him I told you to ask him. <laughs> exactly. Make sure he knows so, it's your faith. Yeah, I, it's, I mean – you're right. And Allison, that's a great point. I mean, they're so close. And, and we, you know, again, this, who knows how this is all going to figure out, but oh my goodness, that occasionally poor, I don't know if it's poor or Allison sometimes has the two strutting goats, right? You guys put that. <laughs> I love Can that. Can you one. imagine the strut on Yarmo, Tortorella, and even throw uh, Bill Zito in there. If they make the playoffs or Temi Panarin misses the playoffs, Sergei Bobrovsky misses the playoffs, and Matt Duchesne misses the playoffs. With all could happen. There's going to be some Saturday Night Fever type strutting. And, well, and that's that's the thing too. I think what you know again to feed to the. I mean, and I'm sure fans identify with this. If this team is healthy, this team is in right now, right? I mean, this team is. I mean, we all don't know how every game plays out, but imagine if this team has Oliver Bjorkstrand, has Seth Jones, with where they were at the end of January. I mean, that's that's what makes it even more stressful. It's the pride of what they're doing, and the and and this isn't even about the team not executing. It's literally that they don't have the pieces. That if they had, how much better would they be? You know, right? I would love to hear if this team does make the playoffs. I would love to hear Tortorella's speech before Game One. Oh my God! I mean, you you remember what last year's was? Yeah, Tampa Bay. Can you imagine what this year's would be? Oh my God! We'll have to, say something? We'll oh. have to. We'll do mock-ups of that speech. We'll each take our best shot. Oh, right. Uh, here's another burning question for you. We went through Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's uh, got to get going for the Blue Jackets. What do you do in net? I don't think Jonas Corposalo has been that particular. I thought he was pretty good in Calgary. He let in a bad goal, as Allison noted, in Edmonton pretty early. Uh, and then they went to Elvis Sunday, as this was planned all along. Elvis' first came back from a concussion, and he looked a little wobbly at times, but he stood in there and, and got them a win 2-1. to one. Twelve games remaining. I'm going to call up the schedule here and look at the back-to-back numbers. But where do you go with these guys in net? Uh, Elvis's numbers are better. Uh, certainly the team was playing at a higher pace while Corp. Corpusalo was hurt. Uh, you'll have that. I think the goalie has something to do with that, though. Um, but do you go heavy Elvis? Do you go uh, Jonas, heavy Jonas Corpusalo, the all-star, Allison? Or do you split duty the rest of the way and, and uh, sort of share the net? They have one. They have three two. left. Three left. Three left. And they're yes. all, they're, they are six of their last seven games are back-to-backs. Yes, yes and I don't think... And one of them is on the road. Yeah. Two of them are on the road. Two, so. five, five of the six games in their back-to-backs are on the road. Correct. Mm. So uh, uh, 
yeah, where do you go? Well, I mean, I, I've said this all along. I think that, I mean, it look, particularly you look at this schedule. I think you split the back-to-backs. And I think that, let's see, so the other games that remain there, it's this Thursday, then Nashville at home, then at Boston, host Washington at Toronto. And I think that, I do think that Elvis has been the stronger goalie going back to December. I think that it's understandable that Corpusalo needs some time to get his game back. It's not a comment on his overall body of work, but he's going to need some time. So I think you split those five and then you split the back-to-backs. Um, and whatever you do, as I continue to maintain, whatever you do must be clearly communicated to both of these players so that they understand that it's the plan and it's not a dog fight it out. Because I think right now, if we believe that this is all about the team and everyone's got to do their part, you need those two guys to be mentally clear and be able to do their job and not be worried about, am I getting the job? Am I losing the job? Am I starting? Am I not starting? I think them being in on the plan is key. Uh, Tom, let me ask you this. Does how they handle this stretch here at the end, in other words, if one of these goalies is given the reins, is it an early indication of where they might be going this summer or in the near future in terms of which of these goalies they hitch their wagon to long-term? Hmm. Um, it's, it, that's a tough one, Porty, just because of the injury to, El, or to, to Corpus Allo. Um Sure, I mean, you're not going to get a better indicator of how guys perform in high-pressure situations than this, right? I mean, this is, uh, other than making the playoffs, which they, of course, obviously still could, this is a great little indication. And if, if, if and I kind of agree with Allison, you split some back-to-backs here that both guys are going to get their chances. Now, I, I my guess, I don't know, I'll let you guys, I, I think Elvis gets the first crack at Pittsburgh on, on, on Thursday night. And, uh, you know, if he wins, I think he gets the next game. No, wait, wait a minute. Is the, is the Nashville game is two days. Is Saturday? Two days. Correct. Yeah. Thursday, so, Saturday. Uh, my, my guess is if he wins against Pittsburgh, he gets it the net again on the nets again on Saturday night. But yeah, I think it, I think this gives you a great, a really, I mean, you've, you've had a nice long run. You've seen Elvis go from the guy can't win a game until, you know, he's among the league leaders in shutouts. Right. Uh, Corpy has certainly played well early in the year, enough to earn an all-star nod. Uh, has kind of, you know, again, had the injury. I do agree. I think this, this, this last stretch gives you a real good indication of kind of where they are leaning because there's been enough to me, there's been enough body of work. Interesting. Interesting. Um, anything else we got to get to? Allison, huge weekend for Ohio State. Men's and women. Start with the women. I've got some thoughts on on one aspect of the men's events this weekend, but tell us about the women who had a great weekend. Oh my gosh! I mean, I don't, I don't know that um, if you don't follow the women's game closely, I don't know if people can truly understand the magnitude of what the women's team did this weekend. Not only did they they play in the toughest conference um, in women's hockey, they play in a conference that includes Minnesota and Wisconsin, who are historically in the top three, if not top two, in the nation. Um, they go into the, the final face-off, they call it, which is the final four teams in their conference. They beat Minnesota in overtime. Tatum Skaggs gets the overtime winner. 
and then they go into the championship against against Wisconsin, who has arguably the best, some of the, the majority of the best players in the nation right now. Right. They take it to a scoreless overtime, and Tatum Skaggs again comes up with the game winner. This is the to to put even more context on it. This is the first conference championship in this program's history. Wow. History. Nadine Muzzerall is the winningest coach in four years that the program has ever seen. Um, they are now headed back to Minnesota this weekend for the NCAAs, a huge accomplishment for this group. Um, and if they win this weekend, they will be headed to just the second Frozen Four in program history, both of which have occurred under Nadine Muzzerall. And, and I mentioned Tatum Skaggs. You've got Emma Malte, who was a top 10 finalist for best player in the country. And then you, you cannot go without mentioning Jincy Dunn, who is just an elite talent. Um, I honestly feel lucky to have watched her play. She is, she's been huge. Um, she has stepped up. She is the Seth Jones of the Ohio State women's team. Or maybe Seth Jones is the Jincy Dunn of the Blue Jackets, but uh, nice. a really, really special group doing some very special things. Um, that's their next step. And then the men are, are in the quest for the Big Ten Championship, so they're a little bit behind. They're still in conference play, um, and they are going to be hosting Michigan. And that game is Sunday at home at Nationwide. Um, so that is definitely something to check out. It's obviously an easy one for fa- Columbus fans to get up for. Um, they've usually gotten some good crowds for that. And I'd encourage people to come out because Ohio State is is still going to be coming back from spring break. So help support these guys um, in their quest to get even one step closer to a Big Ten championship, which only increases their odds, obviously, in terms of NCAA play, which will come after the conference play is done. Yeah, and Carson Meyer, the Blue Jackets draft pick, Oh, what week- yeah. What a weekend he had. Four goals on Friday, uh, another on Saturday as, as they swept Wisconsin. L- Wisconsin loaded with NHL talent. Mm-hmm. And if you read Scott Wheeler's great piece, NHL talent that just couldn't wait to be NHL players. Um, that was really odd to me how open they were about that. Um, but but uh, Carson Meyer, five goals over the weekend. You better have to think the Blue Jackets were there. Uh, watching, they have a decision to make. Uh, he is their property as they drafted him. Do they wish to extend an, an entry level contract to him? To, to, by my understanding, it is not a done deal yet. They're not quite sure if they're going to extend an ELC to him or not. They don't just hand those out. Typically, a team decides it based upon this is a future NHL player in our estimation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if he doesn't get one right away, there's still a chance, as soon as Ohio State season ends, that he could go to Cleveland right. and play under a PTO, just sort of a here's what I look like as a pro stretch. And then a decision could be made on an uh, entry-level contract. And they have until mid-August, as he is a college senior, uh, to make that decision before he would become a free agent. So interesting times with Ohio State. Uh, certainly on their own merits, but also as it relates to the Blue Jackets. Uh, one other note, this Saturday, uh, New Albany is representing Central Ohio in the OHSAA uh, semifinals ice hockey. Uh, Central Ohio has not yet won a game in the state tournament final four. Uh, so something to look forward to there if they can get it done. New Albany, a big upset of Upper Arlington to get to this point. They will play Toledo State St. Francis on Saturday morning. Ready for this? Their their gift for making it to the state tournament, 9 a.m. semifinal game. Brutal. 
against Toledo St. Francis to sales. Uh, so I think we've covered it all. Anything else to add, Allison or Tom? No. No, nice. pet, no pets, Tom. I'm a little disappointed, to be honest. Oh, okay. There was there was meowing, but it must not have uh, must not have came over. Hmm. Who's dropping the ceremonial first puck for that uh, Sunday championship game, OHSAA? Anyone? Don't know. Jean Luc. Grand Pierre. Oh, see, and he used to be involved with the New Albany program. Yes, he did. He helped start it. So that's a little bit of bias, I say. Well, that's the championship game. They got to get there first, Alice. <laughs> uh, folks, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading our our stories, and thanks for watching. I swear those videos are going to be back after Thursday night's game. Um, great to be with you again, and we'll uh, talk to you again on Friday. Mm-hmm.